Hi everybody, welcome back to SOS number 8. It's only going to be doing one show this week due to me getting back to work. Our uh, wonderful queen of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, has decreed that we shall be able to return to in-person indoor dining with up to 25% capacity. So I've been back in the streets serving up that delicious pasta, maybe a chicken parm from time to time, maybe mm -hmm. a filet, 16-ounce ribeye with a soup or salad and a side. Kind me of a big deal. Me and mom went to Mexican today. Got some acupoco. It was splendid. Also, I want to point out that Chase farted, and it's like <laughs> the worst dog fart. Like, it's just thriving in my nostrils right now. It's going to hit me in It's unbelievably distracting. I'm like, oh, I've got some fun <laughs> things I'm going to talk about and say, and then just old man dying dog fart just set up shop in both caves. Your eyes are watering. Yeah, like, like honestly, like, I... I don't obviously know what Shrek's farts smell like, but in the movies, how it kills everything, I kind of picture that that his farts probably are comparable to Chase's farts. And then he gets like really ashamed of himself and leaves. Yeah, everybody goes Chase, and then he's like, Ugh, and he puts his tail down and kind of waddles away. Which the best it, parts are when he wakes himself up with yeah. the noise, and then the smell hits him, and he decides he has to leave the area. He's like, That's the best. It's fantastic. That's what makes you think that dogs have souls. Chase has a soul for sure. It's the soul of a decrepit, lonely beta male, but yeah. Chase is our 10-year-old, right? Mm -hmm. Yellow Lab, who we've been, like, for the past probably three or four years, just been like, well, this is it. You've been like, this is it. I've everyone, been like, I think he's fine. And it's everyone, been you and mom have been like, oh, no, 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 this is it. We're getting well, because ready. Because all of our labs have gone, like, really hard their whole life and then ended up having, like, hip issues, cancer, whatever it yeah, is. true. But for some reason, Chase is still here. Most of our dogs make it like seven or eight. They yeah. live like really hard, aggressive lives, and then mm -hmm. they really quickly decline and they die. He has not. No. He's been, he's so a house dog. put it on me like I'm the only one that's like I sort know, of impressed I know, but he's had here. a different lifestyle. He, he does not, he is an indoor, giant, hairy, shedding lap dog. That's pretty much what he is. He farts a lot and you can't be in the same He also is the one with the most health issues, allergies, yeah. uh, ear infections, everything. He's the most fragile dog, but he's like far, like he's what, 10, we said? And yeah. our other oldest dog is maybe seven or eight. He's turning 11 this spring. Wow. I know. When we got him, we took him to the vet and they were like, he has a heart murmur. He probably won't make it a year. <laughs> and he's just going for it. Thriving and farting. The definition of thriving is this dog, but yeah. But anyway, it's Super Bowl week, which is exciting, which means that you get to watch football with the immediate members of your friend group and family most of whom don't know football or care about it at no. all many people are just there for the food others are there for the commercials but the one thing that the super bowl always provides always provides is the super drawn out halftime shows mm. with scantily clad women dancing in suggestive manners that you get to watch with your mother suggestive suggestive but we were just really discussing fun. that we you said it was the weekend this it year. is the weekend but i'm sure the weekend's gonna have dancers for real and also like we were just saying earlier every single song that the weekend has is a very not pg-13 song yeah yeah it's very aggressive like he has th there's that one song that's on the radio right now that's like really popular that i don't like there's maybe he's gonna do like can't feel my face i'm sure because that's the song that kind of really Why hit the not? mainstream I mean, like, thing yeah. but other than that i mean it's like some hardcore mm -hmm. oh, it, he was scrumping like, music 
for real, because he wrote yeah. the soundtrack for like Fifty Shades of Grey and stuff. Yeah. But I was thinking, because you know how all that stuff about like his plastic surgery, but then not really. Yeah, it was just, it was just was prosthetics. Like, What's up with your face? Is mm-hmm. that just like to hype him up because he's about to be in the Super Bowl? I think he shot a music video or he was like in a show or something maybe. That but or it's just really good marketing. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. That, that was really his PR team was like, hey, so what we're going to do is make a music video and put a bunch of cosmetic prosthetics on your face and people are going to think, wow, did he really have surgery done to change the shape of his jaw into like the, the green guy from the Justice League? Yeah. Well, hmm. I don't know. Maybe to like get his name out there, get him big. I th- it's The weekend's pretty big. I don't know. Like never in my life have I been like, I just love The weekend, or like heard a weekend song and been like, I'm so obsessed with it. I mean, but he's a pretty well-established name. Like when I was in high school, there was like a, a moment in time where The weekend was like a really big deal. Like everybody's like, yeah. The weekend. You know? No, I remember being at like eighth grade farewell and like can't feel my face came on and we got turnt. You guys were cat daddying and teaching people how to dougie. I think that was your eighth grade farewell. Yeah, that was. That was. That really is what that was. But but anywho, yeah, it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time of year. I'm going through the Barstool Sportsbook uh, app right now because we're supporting the Barstool crew now, not the corporatist draft kings. We're all about that. Viva la stool life, but I'm going through this and looking at all the different uh, Super Bowl bets you can make, and it's just an absolute gambler's paradise. It's almost too much to fathom. Like, I, I think, like, I get sick of looking at the bets you can make. You just scroll, and you scroll, and you scroll, and not, like, the gentle, like, hmm, like, respectful scroll. It's like in a, like you're mowing the lawn with your finger. Mm. Like, that's how much you're mm-hmm. scrolling, and it takes forever to get to the bottom of it. So, exciting, but also maybe too much. Yeah. I don't really know much about that. I'm not a huge gambler. I know, which is, uh, you know, a good thing. But it's just, it, it literally never ends. I mean, example, total net offensive yards by both teams. The over is 799.5. The under is 799.5. So, like, you, you can bet the over in this case would be if there's 800 yards or more between two teams total, then you'd win your bet under, obviously. Uh, I mean, total points by Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the first half. Uh, the line is at 13.5. So, if you're going to. If they're going to score 14 points or more, you bet the over. If they're going to score 13 points or less, you bet the under, that kind of thing. But, I mean, th- like, look at me. I'm just scroll, 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 scroll. It just never stops. It just never stops. So, it is almost exhausting. Like, it, it almost gives me anxiety <laughs> thinking about all the different things that you can bet on. I have to do this. I know, and I'm, I'm probably not even going to make any bets, but it's just like so much. But also good for Dave Portnoy. Good for those boys. Isn't Tom Brady the one that's been to the Super Bowl, like, a lot of times? This is his 10th. That's kind of, like, maybe s- sit down. <laughs> <laughs> maybe stop being super successful. Not that, but it's like, we get it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying it's it's a bit cliche at this point, Tom? Maybe stop going no, to the Super No, it literally Bowl. is. I mean, you know, we've been, the first NFL game that I remember watching was the 2004 Super Bowl, which was when he, who was on the Patriots at the time, we were playing the Eagles. And so I would have been seven. But yeah, my first like memory of watching football on TV was a Super Bowl that he was playing in, which was the third Super Bowl he'd played in at that point. And I'm 23, so yeah, you know he uh, he's been doing it for a long time. Was every time that he had gone to the Super Bowl with the Patriots before mm-hmm. now? Yeah, well, this is his first season not being on the Patriots. Why did he leave the Patriots? Um, 
he well the Patriots a were kind of ready to move on from him because I mean the, he's forty three right now which generally His people people gone. well yeah I mean people not named Tom Brady by the time they usually hit forty in professional sports are pretty much falling off of a cliff mm-hmm. but you know so they're they're really waiting for him just to be awful which i understand making that bet but i mean this season he's proven that he still can do it at a very high level but he also wanted to not live in boston anymore so now he lives in tampa in the warm weather uh florida doesn't have any state income tax which is nice bruce arians is the head coach for the buccaneers who's like a super players oriented coach like a cool guy and the bucks went all in and they spent a bunch of money on free agents to get a bunch of good players for him to play with too which the patriots kind of weren't doing or at least they were trying to do it, but they weren't doing it very successfully because the Patriots system is like, kind of like the military, like super disciplined, super don't have fun, no social media, just like put your head down and grind kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Which, you know, they won six Super Bowls in like 20 yeah. years doing it that way, which is doing. a ton. So, but yeah. Do you so. really think the income tax paid into it that much? <laughs> Played into it? I mean, when you're making as much money as those guys are, I mean, 10% of your income is... I mean, he makes $25 million a year. Yeah. So 10% of his income is $2.5 million. I guess. I never thought about it, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, his wife is also worth more than he is. His wife's worth like four or $500 million. Why is that? She's a supermodel. Oh. Giselle Butchin. Butchin? Her name's not actually Butchin. It's like Bondichen. Okay. C-H-E-N or something like that. But, but yeah, she's Brazilian, I think. I'm learning so much. I know. It's exciting times. But, yeah, I mean, they're worth an insane amount of money. And they live in Derek Jeter's mansion that he has in Florida that's, like, like unfathomable. Unfathomable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's like your fifth. Uh, it's, like, unfathomably Megamite. large. Yeah, it's, like, I, I can't remember. I feel like it's, like, 16 bedrooms or something like that. Something stupid. I feel like I would get sad. Being in a house that big, you get sad? Yeah. I don't know why. You're like, I just am doing too well. Like, I just don't have enough friends for this. <laughs> you guys want to come sleep over at my house? I've got a lot of beds. Yeah. Well, we just got back from Florida. You're going, like, next week. Mm-hmm. And Florida definitely has a different vibe. Well, Florida always has a different vibe. But it's, like, Florida, I can't decide if I like it or not. Florida is <laughs> a strange combination between old people riding out into the sunset. Just splendid. Rednecks wrestling alligators jacked up boards and then like college kids dying of alcohol poisoning mm-hmm. it's a strange combination of those things yeah it's kind of like anything goes in florida so obviously the corona restrictions are not going to be anywhere near what they no. are elsewhere because either you're really old and you're like okay i played enough parcheesi mm-hmm. and shuffleboard it can take me now you wrestle alligators for a living and you are on a show called swamp people so it's like if i die i die yeah and then the other one is just your liver and your immune system is already so compromised due to the things that you do to it on a daily basis that it's like the For cold, sure. the, a cold's going to kill you. So yeah. Rona, Rona ain't nothing. Well, that and I went down, we were in Sarasota, but which is a bigger city, mm-hmm. but you forget how populated it is. In certain areas. But in yeah. certain areas, but it's still like, I just, I don't like being in super populated areas. It makes me feel like, ugh. Well, also... Your idea of super populated, I'm sure, has been changed over the last 12 months because you're not used to seeing people out and about. Well, well that, and also we live in a very small town where, sure. like, maybe when, like, the city, like, parades are going on, you're like, ah, oh, so many people, but other than that, not really. Yeah. No, that's true. That's very true. Yeah, like, when we were in, uh, I guess I went to Vegas in last March, 
that was pre-corona obviously but um but yeah it's weird it's weird being in large groups of people when you're not used mm-hmm. to it i mean small town living is its own thing but yeah i don't like it i don't like being in big groups of people like it's it's no. kind of cool for like a weekend yeah. but other than that i'm good stay well, away from and me. then you s- are like at a stoplight for more than 30 seconds <laughs> and you're like what is this or traffic yeah being in any sort of I traffic can't deal at all. with that i get uh, so irritated yeah why can't i drive 90 yeah this is the question yeah but i mean granted i guess as far as driving fast that is part of the beauty of being around big cities in rush hour so long as you don't run into actual traffic everybody's driving so fast on like four or five lane highways that mm-hmm. pretty much don't get pulled over no, so you can just cruise it's like the autobahn in germany i don't know if you know what that is i really don't you, it, there's no speed limit it's a highway with no speed limit so you can just drive as fast as you want isn't that basically highways though i mean i think if you're driving like 130 miles an hour that you probably get pulled over how many people are realistically doing that though on the autobahn because i remember being in driver's ed and they were like just stick with the speed of traffic on highways well the autobahn has and i i could be speaking out of turn because i'm not a huge expert on it but the autobahn has like you know as highways are broken up here there's like a our equivalent of like the right lane where you're kind of going with the flow of traffic there's like a passing lane and there's like a couple of lanes that are just you're if you're on here you're cruising mm-hmm. like you're driving like a koenigsegg and you're just doing all of the miles per hour or the kilometers per hour excuse kilometers. me kilometers no we don't like that here we if don't. it ain't in barbecue sauce per Budweiser per Freedom, then I don't want it to be my math. All right? Because we're patriotic. <laughs> you know that uh, Duck Dynasty, like, barbecue-flavored confusion? I was like, huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I know what you're meme. talking about. I love that meme so much. I love it. But, yeah. No, the Autobahn would be a good time. Also, anytime I'm driving more than, like, 80-ish, I'm like, yeah, I'm probably going to die. We should probably take a, take I, a bang I have lunch. that feeling, too. Mm-hmm. We're getting a ton of snow right now. I thought I was going to die driving home. And you drive through the center of our town at 40 miles per hour. I know, but I'm a really bad driver, and everything was slickery. Schlick? Mm-hmm. Schlicker and sh- schlick? I know. Yeah. Well, the worst part is, especially when it's super slippery out, is you have to worry about yourself and then everyone within like a mile of you, because if one person loses control, then you're all screwed. Because <laughs> we're all in this yeah, together. Yeah, you're really all in that together. Yeah. No, this is this is true. I've had a couple close calls in my life with braking on ice where it's just, it really is Jesus, take the wheel. Oh, no, and I, <laughs> I literally start praying. Hey, God, <laughs> me again. It's that dog with his eyes closed. <laughs> I'm sliding through the intersection. Can you please help me out? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, driving on ice is its own thing. People definitely overhype it, like how scary and... You know, it's like, oh, driving sure. on ice. But like, you do like occasionally get in a spot. senior year of high school when everyone shows up the first hour. Mm-hmm. It's like, I literally almost died on the way here this morning. Yeah. should have well, had a snow day. Well, there's like a girl that I work with at uh, Carabas, and she moved from Florida. And this is, I think, her first winter in Michigan. Oh, so driving. So, you know, not like she was all distraught about it, but she's like, oh, you know, got to drive on these Michigan roads in the winter. And like, it, you know, it is its own thing, but it's not... No, you get used to it. Yeah, you get used to it. I mean, it's like walking on ice. It's like mm-hmm. as long as you're not sprinting, you're probably fine. Just kind of shuffle a little bit, take it slow. Mm-hmm. Make sure you use your turn signal while you're walking. Throw an arm to the 70 right. 70 feet before you turn. 
70 feet oh i guess on your and you're walking i'm like in your car you only do it 70 feet away it's like geez all right yeah that explains a lot (laughs) no i think this time of year we were all like hanging out last night we played cards and stuff and we were like i think we all have collective seasonal depression yeah i definitely have collective seasonal depression and then we played that five crowns game which was a lot of fun. fun almost won it yeah, but it's that time of year where you're just, like, angry. Every yeah. time you leave the house and there's nothing to do and it's cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this vacation's coming up just in time for me. I need to get some, some sunlight and some warm weather. It's, uh... Some vitamin D. Sad is a real thing. <laughs> it's a real thing. PSA. <laughs> do you or a loved one suffer from sad? I do How about day. the big sad? <laughs> I think... It's not the big sad yet, but it's definitely like, ugh, I'm kind of over this. Some say love, mm-hmm. it is a river. Like that. Yeah, and then we get to that place where like one day it's 50 degrees and we're all like, winter's done, I'm putting on shorts. But before it gets there, you have to watch a couple uh, Sarah McLaughlin animal shelter commercials. Yeah. What is that? ASPCA? Is that what it is? Yeah, about the dogs. In the arms of the angels. And you're like, I was having a really bad day, but at this point, let's just torpedo ourselves emotionally <laughs> down the drain. <laughs> yeah. There's there's just some songs that you can cry to so well. Your body is one leg. You cried at that? No. I, don't. <laughs> I, like, I just started thinking really about John Mayer. That's a strange song yeah. to cry to. Wake me up before you go, go. Don't leave me hanging on like a yo-yo. That's my upbeat song. It's a pretty good song. Actually, I'm going to take you through. Let's, let's, uh, what's a song like your Grace Gets Happy song? Like your montage getting ready, like driving to work, like I'm going to have a great day today song. That's a fantastic question. Hmm. Maybe Marky Mark. Good vibration. Yep. So here's a, <laughs> hold on. This is, this has been mine for the last couple of days. It's going to be mine. Hold on. Let's see. YouTube's probably going to get me if one of these. This is a nice one. This is me like like head bopping on the highway being like, all right, here we go. On your way to work? Yeah. Well, I don't really go to work anymore. (laughs) Yeah. The last two days I'm on the way to work. But because you and I both have main character syndrome where the world revolves around you. Yeah. Yeah. That's All these mommies look fly today. They really do. That is a good song. But TikTok's also made that song a little bit more famous. I feel like I've been... I'm not even on TikTok, but I, like my Instagram feed is a lot of TikToks for whatever reason anyway. And a lot of those are like, that song's in it. Some talks definitely slap. <sighs> there, Listen, there's definitely some great talks. People do some funny, cool things with some talks. But also there's a lot of just weird, dumb things I don't fully no, understand. No, there is just like a lot of mostly naked women dancing to there's songs. There's a lot of that. Which, get your bank, sis. I guess, yeah, I guess, but I don't know. The market is definitely very saturated with half-naked women dancing. There's a lot of that going on. I know. It's... Call me old-fashioned, but <laughs> I like a I like a clothed woman. Like, that was what I was getting out of the gym today when you were talking about that girl. The, like, girl? the sports bra girl and all black. Yeah. That. It's just maybe at, like, hot people gyms in, like, big cities. I know. That's, well, that's the what thing. we were discussing. But it just doesn't flow in a town no. of, like, 4,000 people. It's, it's just not... weird. 
like i was i was like you know doing my thing looking in the mirror like being like "Mm, look at you and then all of a sudden i like corner my eye there's essentially a half naked woman walking behind me in the gym and then just i'm like huh it's just weird it sticks out it doesn't fit like it's just a small town gym and most people wear like t-shirts and sweatpants there's also a bunch of like grandparents in there I know. Like who? But who I, are you like trying to be a thirst trap for? Like Uncle Dave? No. You know what I mean? I wish I could tell her how many pervy old men are in there, and then she'd be like, "Actually, I'm good." But I love her too, though, because she's a sister from my own soul, meaning very fair. And yeah. I, I just, it's a look, it's a look in the all black in that pale skin in a sports bra. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, so here's here's my question for you: for the fair skin type, like you or I. Yes. Obviously, they say, like, what, like, yellows and whites or stuff like that. It's like yellows, oranges, you're not supposed to rock, right? Because it supposedly washes you out. It brings out the red in your skin. Okay. Well, it depends on, like, your undertone. Okay. How about the really dark colors, like black? You're not supposed to rock those, right? Well, if you think about it, it'll wash you out. So what colors are you supposed to wear in your fair skin? Greens, things like that? Greens, blues? I would say that. I mean, take your color quiz, which we did a few months We did ago. do that. I can't remember what the results were, but we did do well, that. Well, you found out that you are you have the red undertone, so you're supposed to stay away from, like, the oranges and the reds. and. Which I have a lot of shirts that are those colors. You're wearing yellow right now. I am wearing yellow right now. It's okay, though. Yeah. Listen, I've been wearing, mm, let's say the last seven to eight years, I've been wearing the same, let's call it eight t-shirts. I know. That's just a fact. And they are the color that they are. And and until I get to the point where I become 150 pounds overweight within the next seven years, I'm going to keep rocking this. Free like Oregon Fighting Ducks t-shirt with green paint stains I all over it. I think that one needs to die. No, 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 no. Because it looks like maybe I vomited on it and people are confused. So it's a great conversation starter. Can't Is get it? rid of this. Yeah. Well, I think... What we were talking about today when I was suggesting, or me and a man that I was talking to suggesting that Cole talk to the sports bra girl, was that you're very picky when it comes to the ladies. Well, I mean, shouldn't you be picky when it comes to the person that you're going to supposedly be with for a long time? You are picky, but like I suggest people and like you're very picky. Okay, well often enough the ones that you suggest to me are pretty like meh. Because... We, in this town, are everyone's you looking, meh. Are you going to say that I'm meh? <laughs> hmm? Are you trying to tell me that I'm meh? You're, you walk out of this house listening to that song in that shirt covered in paint thinking you're a thirst trap. <laughs> I am the thirst trap. But it's, and it's like honey. Trap. But it's okay. It's hard. Are we to, saying it's time to settle? No, not settle. It's, it's hard to find somebody. Anytime somebody says no not time to settle it means time to settle but you couldn't even find somebody that you wanted to settle with yeah this is true this is true maybe let's get a bunch of like animals we already have some no i'm talking like i'll go live in like a very small apartment and have like nine dogs and they'll just like poop everywhere like that'll be just my life you wouldn't let them out <laughs> i would refuse <laughs> i would refuse just to add There's to something the, about young, single white women that are really into just having a million say, animals. You'd probably get a lot of girls doing that. Yeah. Hey, do you want to come over to my apartment? I have 900 different animals living in my one-bedroom apartment. Like, it's literally Ace Ventura. It's, it's Ace yeah. Ventura. Yeah. I've never seen that. I'm really dedicated to uh, not having kids. Um, my animals are my children. I just, I'm really big into, uh, you know... Adopt, don't shop. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm a rescue guy myself. And that's a bio. This little guy, Shiloh, found him in a ditch. Uh, someone <laughs> sold him out, decided to go to a puppy farm. Like the evil corporatists that they are. That's all you need. Yeah. It Start is wearing more tie-dye. What people our age prioritize now compared to like 50 years ago. Like how drastically you mean when you had to be an adult? That and also like people our age are not into even like considering like getting married or having children or a mortgage till they're like 35 (laughs) which is kind of interesting which is weird when you're someone who would be down for that because it's like when you even kind of like think about putting that forward in a proposition you can see like people's eyes go like oh like then they go adopt another dog yeah and they're like I gotta go rescue another dog. <laughs> Hold on. I'll be right back. Hold that thought. Yeah. I'll come back. Yeah, it's just like, uh, I just really wanted to go. <laughs> I just wanted to go see 21 Pilots one more time. All right? Not the vibe. Yeah, it yeah. is. I think a lot about like how I'm ever gonna like find someone. Probably never. Probably never. There you I go, doggo. Know. Take the golf ball with you. <laughs> Take the golf ball with you, dog. Yeah, I don't know. It's a weird world. It's a weird world when you're not trying to just be single and travel and adopt animals for like the next 15 to 20 years of your life. Well, that and if you're not using dating apps, which is what most people already do. Which I don't do. I don't do either. Because I'm not a <coughs> skank. But, you I know. know. And th- but what's funny, though, is like people are like, no, it's not always like that. Like I've found like people that I've been in relationships I with. In a but for the most space. part, it's just like weird pickup lines and nudes. Yeah, no, yeah, I can get that. Which, never sent a nude before. Amen. And all of my, like, quote, weird pickup lines are, like, things that I say ironically. Yeah. I would never actually pursue a person with that. Well, then, I don't think many people are just open to, like, meeting someone in person anymore. It is weird. Like, trust me, I, I regard myself as being a pretty social, relatively charismatic person, given the fact that I have a podcast where I record my voice for hours at a time and then yeah. post it to the world. But it is weird, like the, I don't know, I always, I always psych myself out. Like if I do see a girl that I'm like, oh, she's like kind of cute and interesting. I'm always like, oh, like I could go talk to her, but I would just be bothering her. It would just be an yeah. annoying kind of thing. She probably also has a bunch of dudes already doing like the dating app DM weird thing anyway. For sure. She probably, or she has like a boyfriend already and it's just like, mm-hmm. eh. so I'm just, I'll just chill. I don't know what you mean. Which it's is probably the wrong choice. Rejection. So. I think I just I can't handle that type of rejection. If it was the right one, you would find it somewhere in your heart to send it. Deep in my heart. I don't know. All the women that I've ever been in relationships with, I've either worked with or like had a class <laughs> with. Went to high school with. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I'm talking like like sit next to in a class, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, because I think that's how it's easy to meet people. That's how you develop a natural social relationship with someone. But I also think that, like, in class or just in general in life now, people, like, put their hair in messy buns and don't shower for days and wear sweatpants. Mm-hmm. And then they're, like, no one's trying to meet people in person. I think I'm the only one that goes to Michigan State that has worn jeans to class ever. I know. It looks somewhat presentable because mm-hmm. it, that's not how people meet other people. I know. You're meeting someone on a dating app and then spending six hours to get ready <sighs> go and go to Rama. Like, listen, I got to go to this bar, wear a jersey drink 18 beers throw up rally and then go like sloppily try to talk to someone across the bar yeah and then maybe just maybe she'll let me 
and that's about it. And then another another thing we have going against us is that neither of us drink. So or want to go to bars or parties. Or drugs. Anything. I also don't really like live music. No. I do like comedy shows. <laughs> I do really like those a lot. <laughs> We're a thirst trap. Yeah, about as good as it gets, really, when Basically, you think about it. Basically, a party. But, yeah. Um, and I guess parties are another way that people meet people, or it's h- kind of like hard to be with someone who's constantly like, mm-hmm. let's party, mm-hmm. and you're not into that. Anytime I'm in like a social setting, like the only time I'm ever like in social areas where people congregate and hang out and drink and like have a good time are in casinos. Yeah. And anytime I see... so. The main casino that I go to is, is Soaring Eagle. Like mm-hmm. I, not, not that I really, I mean, every couple months I go, but go up there. Central Michigan's up there. College kids. It's an 18 and up casino. Mm-hmm. So you'll see groups of college kids, you know, obviously men and women who are kind of doing the mingle thing and are maybe in like a group and there's maybe some couples thrown in there with some singles and it's like, yeah. I think people they've go been, there for birthdays a lot. They've been pre-gaming and like they're going to gamble and it's like, you know, but I always see that stuff and I'm like, I'm honestly, I'm like, thank God I don't have to be a part of that. Yeah, because it's so exhausting. It is exhausting. Yeah. I would much rather just be home. I like know. almost all the time. Almost yeah. all the time. It's, I think if you have to be around a group of people where to enjoy yourselves or their company, you need to pregame and then keep drinking and like not be able to (laughs) see straight for three days. (laughs) That's the thing. I, there are people that I am friends with or that I work with or that I spend time with that I do truly enjoy being around Mm -hmm. and they bring me joy. Their presence brings me joy. And there's also part of me that, you know, feeds off of social energy and it feels good to be around people. I like to talk. I like to, you know, try to make people laugh, et cetera. Yeah. But at the same time, I could pretty much just like hang out with you guys here at home and just be fine with that. Like Mm -hmm. for a long time, I could be, I mean, it was probably a couple of months into quarantine before I really was like, man, it'd be cool to like go somewhere and see people. Like see someone I'm not related to. Yeah. Yeah. It took like that long. And there were people like day four being like, I just really want to like go to the bar, bro. And like be with the homies and i'm like eh, no and i'm then good we were up to like two in the morning every night just playing ping pong and like yeah, <laughs> yeah playing ping pong music. and like listening to disney music yeah yeah, yeah just living fine. our best life living your best life so i don't know i just i hate social settings i hate it so much yeah i do too I just hate it. and also while we're on the subject and we're really venting about this <laughs> most of the women that are in our little age group and i'm sure that you, the same could be said about men too like just aren't enjoyable to be around you mean like in terms of like their personalities just like like to be a person and just to be in the same (laughs) orbit as them and like talk to them or anything like that even you know obviously there's a lot of like the hot girl syndrome where it's like i'm just kind of kind of sit in the corner and like let you come to me and i want you to like lead the conversation or whatever yeah there's that but also the women that are not like the really top of the food chain pretty ones that aren't going to play that game Mm -hmm. like the more normal looking women Often enough for them, suck. They think they're a thirst trap, but they're not. I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying, like, being able to find things to talk about, to, like, express an opinion, to laugh about things, to whatever, it just isn't really there. I don't think people have the same social skills that you see, like, taught and expected. Could be. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. And at the same time, I've talked to you about this before. I 
as as dumb and like white knighty and like oh i'm just like not like other guys is like this sounds i really do fall for the personality before i fall for like the looks and as far as like the women that i'm actually really interested in yeah. because there are like you know there are pretty women in the world and you're like oh that's cool and like i can appreciate a beautiful woman but at the same time the women that i've actually like really really been interested in and had like an emotional connection with it's seldom been about the way that they look yeah it's been you know i met you like i've either like we worked together like i said or we had a class together and we just talked to each other on a continual pretty consistent basis for like a couple months and we you know develop social bonds we kind of have like inside jokes and we get the to like foundation. laugh a lot foundations exactly and like something grows and develops out of that it's not yeah. just like hey what are you doing like that kind of thing it's just it's never that that does give off major i work converse to prom vibes yeah but well actually we didn't saying. actually get, you know my date and i didn't go to prom <laughs> she goes to a different school but like what we did is we went to a movie theater and we just slow danced in front of the screen instead to uh yeah. insert john hughes movie because sure. you know we just kind of do our own thing we're I like know. our own kind of unique couple so i don't even think a guy would ever want to date me because i love pizza so much <laughs> like i just i don't think anyone could love anyone that like likes pizza that much <sighs> listen before we do this i really like pepperoni pizza like i'll eat it maybe once or twice a week i know i'm just i'm I, not like other girls it's just listen and sometimes i like maybe watch sports like can you handle that i played like a lot of sports <laughs> in high school it's like so nerdy <laughs> my brother played call of duty i don't know if that's like too much for you like is that <sighs> gosh those girls will forever eat at me yeah but it's okay yeah. no i think you have to fall for a personality first because looks aren't getting you i mean looks can in some ways get you places but okay. i mean the personality i think gets you so much further mm-hmm do you true. know how to talk to people and Quite true. carry conversation? I mean, I struggle with men's, especially lately. Your man's? The men's, because I think there is just, from my point of view, a lack of men who are willing to take relationships seriously. And, yeah, you know. That's part of that. I mean, like we said, though, it's kind of due to the age, I think. As I people, think as people to get age, older. And I also, I was just talking to my mom about it this morning. I think that people our age are just kind of more selfish than well, ever I'm selfish. before. Yeah. I mean, everyone's selfish, but just in terms of like wanting to eventually care for someone else, I just don't think that people set themselves up for success. True. It's very true. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, in the relationships I've ever been in, I mean, I think a large part of the issue has been my own selfishness. So I guess I can't really bash other people's selfishness, even yeah. though you're not wrong. Excuse me. Voice crack. <laughs> even though you're not clear. wrong necessarily, I I would agree with that. No, everyone, it's interesting. First off, I love a good breakup. People hate <laughs> on breakups, but like nothing refreshes the soul like really having to like well, just you, be super sad you're like a then... sadist you love being sad <laughs> and like in pain you thoroughly I enjoy do. it but i because i think that there's some growth that happens in that i don't even think it's that. <laughs> i think you just like being sad like if we're, if we're being really honest here it has nothing to do with like mm, i just like fully understand my self-worth and like mm, you know I'm, I'm just gonna Tim grow Burns child yeah yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. Is. What I was going for, I think an important step in that is to like literally look at a relationship and like see where you went wrong, which is hard to do because mm -hmm. everyone likes to play the victim. Oh, for me, it's been 
very obvious the ways that I've messed up. For real? Yeah. What are your biggest flaws? What do you do? Uh, well, let me see. Let me see. I think in my earlier relationships, it was either like way too. Well, actually, I shouldn't even say that. I think the issue that I've had in most of my relationships has been being like not very attentive. I think that's been the issue that I've had. To the relationship? Yeah. Like, and I granted, in large part, it's just kind of being very young, but it was, you know, like whenever we would be together in person, I think we would have a lot of fun and stuff like that. But at the same time, it was like the, the small things in a relationship that I wouldn't really pay attention to, that I wouldn't really nurse and help develop into what it needed to be to be something a lot better other than just a, a fun, yeah. I guess, relationship between two people. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think going forward, that just needs to be what I would change. But yeah. Was it because you didn't want to do those things or is it because you just literally didn't realize it was something you should be doing? That's a good question. I guess it would vary across relationships. I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. I mean, I think in some, but again, I mean, who knows? I, I guess to really interrogate it properly, you would need to talk to the women that I was in a relationship with to really do that. What right? did he do wrong? What did you hate about him? But yeah, yeah I mean, I don't know. It's, it's my own perspective. And I'm sure that they would have their own opinions as to what went wrong as well. And they probably would differ from mine, but I don't know. I, I know sure. that the reasons why they didn't work were definitely significantly my fault. It wasn't yeah. like, I'm, I'm never going to be the guy that's like, Oh, she's just like, she, she sucks. Like, blah, blah, blah. I don't even yeah. know like what guys say about that, but it like a significant part of the blame is placed upon my shoulders and everything that hasn't worked in my life. Not just relationships. I so. think that's really good to be able to admit. I don't think that a relationship ever fails because of just one person. I think both people definitely have to play a part in it, but it's hard, especially being young and figuring out how to be in a relationship. When we time. were young. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic song. I got, I started singing the Adele song right there. And then as soon as I said, when we were young, I started thinking about the Killers song. And it kind of merged in my brain into like a, hmm. a point right here. A remix. Remix. <sighs> yeah. For sure. So anyway, should we talk about sports now? Please do. I'll okay. sit here on my phone. Okay. We'll leave a timestamp. We'll leave a timestamp below. But for We're my thirty-eight minutes, for some of my buddies that actually listen to sports, we need to uh, leave a little timestamp for sports. <laughs> if stuff. you don't just want to hear about where, if you don't want to just hear about relationship stuff. Okay. So anyway, yeah. So we'll leave a timestamp. Grace, what uh, what are we at right now? What's our sports timestamp? Thirty-eight minutes. Thirty-eight minutes. All right. So starting now, we're talking about sports. So since last week, uh, obviously we didn't have a show on either Monday or Tuesday. So. Over the weekend, obviously, the Matt Stafford trade happened. So, out here in Lions country, big news. Uh, in my opinion, I think that both teams are made better off, but I think that the Lions won the trade um, so long as they commit to flipping Jared Goff. I think that maybe best-case scenario, what you would do is if you could get a one for him immediately, if someone offered you a one for Jared Goff, I think that you take it right now. But what I hope that you do with your draft capital that you just acquired from the Rams is to try to move up and get either Zach Wilson, excuse me, or Justin Fields. Because obviously Jared Goff isn't the future of your franchise moving forward. Uh, the Rams understood that after they paid him a lot of money. And I think if Sean McVay can't make him work, the odds that Dan Campbell can make him work are probably pretty low. So either you flip him right now if you can get a one I mean, even if it's a, a late round one, if you can get a one for Jared Goff, I think that you take it right now. Or you take the draft capital that you got from the Rams, 
you move up and either get Zach Wilson or Zach Fields. I know that Zach Wilson's really been uh, moving up in the charts, and he's just regarded as the the number two guy behind Justin Fields. But I really like Justin Fields. I think he's you know a big, strong dude, a lot of mobility. I think he showed his toughness quite a bit in the college football playoff this year. Got a big arm, like makes a lot of big, accurate downfield throws. He's played in a lot of big time games against difficult competition. Um, so if I were making the draft decisions for the Lions, I'd be taking Justin Fields. That's just me. Um, but again, if you can't trade Goff this year and get him a one, I think that you take your quarterback at the very top of the first round this year after trading up to get him. You sit him behind Goff up until you think that that rookie is ready to roll. So maybe that's a full year and then you move off of Goff. Maybe it's eight games. I don't know what that is. But you just give him some time to develop and that's the new ideally, hopefully, the new franchise quarterback of the Detroit Lions moving forward. And now, if you are the Rams, I think that you have obviously made an upgrade at quarterback, and I think you believe the same thing as well, that otherwise you wouldn't have done what you just did. But I, I do think that Matt Stafford is going to significantly improve the ability that that offense has to move the football. Because post-Super Bowl Rams are significantly different than pre-Super Bowl Rams, primarily because of the downfall of Todd Gurley and the aging of that offensive line. Now, the offensive line for the Rams is still very solid. They still have a number of vets that are, are just really firm foundational offensive lineman pieces that are going to be able to protect Stafford and, you know, you have the rise of Cam Akers, which is going to attribute and help their run game. But so much of the Goff-McVeigh era Rams was built upon play-action pass and being able to run the ball. Now, once that was taken away and you got into spots where you needed Jared Goff to throw the ball 35 to 40 times a game, that's where the Rams started to get in some really difficult spots. Now, you can rely on Stafford to do that. A significant chunk of Stafford's career, meaning almost all of it, went like this. Lions get in a hole down two to three possessions at half. They script the first eight to ten plays coming out of the third quarter, which are kind of balanced, and then that doesn't work, and they throw it out the window, and they just have Stafford essentially run the offense on his own, call plays from the line, and just start slinging the rock. And had a number of comebacks doing that. I mean, he's literally the comeback guy. That's how every single Detroit Lions game has gone for about the last eight to ten years. Lions get in a hole. Stafford makes a comeback. Sometimes they win, sometimes they don't. So he can be a guy that's leaned on and relied upon to be the guy that's going to really lead your offense and kind of can put it on his back. Now, the run game for the Rams unquestionably is a lot better than the Detroit Lions because the Lions' run game has been atrocious since Barry Sanders left. Uh, I would make the argument to say that they have a better receiving core as well with Bobby Trees, Cooper Cup, uh, Gerald Everett, Higby. I mean, like they have guys that can stretch the field and can really make stuff happen. Uh, I, I think that as of right now, they kind of lack a deep threat a little bit, and perhaps in free agency, they'll try to make a move to get a guy uh, that can really stretch the field, or they'll be looking to acquire somebody in the draft. But, th I mean, the, the deep threat option is really the only thing I think lacking for the Rams at this point, and I think that they are a legitimate contender now in the NFC with Stafford under center. The old school method of thinking is that the Rams giving up as many first round picks as they've made a habit of giving up to acquire veteran stars is wrong. And I, I understand the logic behind that. But I guess my question would be, 
are you going to get the same amount of value in the picks that you gave up to make up for a Matt Stafford, a quarterback? And I think clearly no. I just I think the answer to that is just no. You don't have anything in this league if you don't have a quarterback. If you don't have that central piece, a guy that you can trust to make the right plays, to make the big plays in the big moments, then you're kind of screwed. You're Case Keenum, Minnesota Vikings time. I mean, you got a guy that's, you know, can manage the game. You had that team had a running game, that team had a very good defense, but just Case Keenum wasn't going to be the guy that was going to carve up a defense and make the plays that you needed to make. So I think the Rams are, I don't know, I would say they could very well be the best team in the NFC West now with Stafford under center. And it's, it's an exciting time. I'm happy for Stafford. I'm happy that he gets to finally be a part of a, a non-dysfunctional organization you know, Sean McVay to many is regarded as the the brightest young up and coming coach in the league. You know, it's essentially between him and Kyle Shanahan. So we'll see. I, I've got high hopes for Stafford. I hope that he makes a run and uh, hopefully the new Lions regime with uh, Dan Campbell and you know they they've signed a ton of guys. So signed uh, Mark Brunell, um, Anthony Lynn from the Chargers is over now. He's the OC. Uh, I think I saw an article that they brought on like Rex Ryan as an advisor or something like that. So they've got a lot of names and uh, hopefully it's going to be a culture change in Detroit because the Lord knows we need it. It's been, I mean, to, to say same old lions is almost cliche and dumb at this point, but it's the truth. They've been same old lions for my entire lifetime and my grandparents entire lifetime. I haven't won a championship since 1957. So, <laughs> I'm ready. We're ready for a new age. And then in the other kind of developing news right now, um, the other major quarterback that's looked to be uh, potentially moved in this offseason, obviously, is Deshaun Watson. Um, as of last week, the Texans front office made it clear that they didn't really have an interest in trading Deshaun Watson, which could be a bit of a smokescreen to indicates to other teams that if you do want to get Deshaun Watson, you're really going to have to make a super strong offer that really catches their eye if you want to get him. But given how vocal through the back channels of his team and through leaks that Deshaun Watson has been regarding his dissatisfaction with the Texans organization, with the way that the coaching search went, with the way that the GM search went, um, with just how this past season has gone and with the state of the team, I just don't think there's a world where the Texans can't ship him off and get something else. Like, they're in rebuild mode. And Deshaun Watson is a stud, but they need to essentially gut the team, and I don't think that he wants to be a part of a rebuild again. He came in at the start of a rebuild when he was drafted, had a little bit of success, then they shipped off, or they shipped off DeAndre Hopkins, J.J. Watt got older and kind of just, you know, he, he came in in the, in the middle of an era with some studs who are all now either old or not on the team anymore. And they haven't done a very good job of developing the rest of the roster along the way. So understandably so, he doesn't want to be a part of another Houston rebuild. So I think that one of the best things that can be done is, in my opinion, the Raiders need to make a move. I think the Raiders need to trade Derek Carr. And if you have to trade Derek Carr in two ones and like a three or a four to go get him, I think that's an excellent trade for the Raiders. And I also think that it's a fair trade for the Texans. The Texans get a respectable starting quarterback 
a veteran starting quarterback at that to help facilitate your rebuild, to help develop an offense, develop young receivers, young backs, things like that. A guy who's going to be a leader in the locker room. You also get more draft capital that you can add to your war chest as you're going to continue to beef up your rebuild. The Raiders are going to get an actual star quarterback to compete in the AFC West because the AFC West has obviously the young rising star and Justin Herbert coming off of a great rookie year. And you have the guy who's going to be the best quarterback in the league for the next decade in Patrick Mahomes. So you can't just be the team that plays field position and tries to win the time of possession for the next 10 years. And that's really what you're ultimately looking for with Derek Carr. Derek Carr is a, is a smart quarterback. He does provide a lot of good things, but he doesn't provide the type of firepower that you need to compete in that division. Deshaun Watson does that. You're still going to have Josh Jacobs. you got Darren Waller. You've got Henry Ruggs. You have pieces that he can use that can really jumpstart your offense and take it from an okay offense to a really competitive, aggressive, high-flying offense that is a force to be reckoned with in the AFC. The other potential team that I think would be wise to make a move to go get him is the Niners. I think that San Fran has every single piece satisfied right now except for quarterback. <clears throat> now, again, I think that Jimmy Garoppolo and Derek Carr are very comparable quarterbacks and their skill set and what they bring to the table. And they're not bad. They're respectable dudes, but they're probably not the guy that's going to consistently be the man that's going to get you to the big game and occasionally win the big game. Nobody wins it every time, obviously. I mean, Tom Brady's 6-3, and three, and that's a fantastic record in the biggest of games. But he's also lost to Nick Foles and Eli Manning twice. But Jimmy Garoppolo and Derek Carr, I think, are nice pieces that aren't going to give you continual success in the long run. And Deshaun Watson can be that guy. Dabo Sweeney called him a Michael Jordan-esque guy. I can't remember the exact quote, but essentially compared him to Michael Jordan. And I, I don't know if I'd go that far given that he's the greatest football player of all time. But he does have some huge playmaking star quality attributes about him. I mean, he makes he makes something out of nothing like three to four times a game. He makes plays on a pretty regular basis that make you go, oh, wow, he's probably the only guy in the league that could have done that. And Jimmy Garoppolo and Derek Carr have never made a play that makes me go, oh, wow, they're the only guy that could have done that before. So I think that, again, if you're San Fran, you might have to give up a bigger piece. Uh, you might have to give up like a, a Nick Bosa, you might have to give up, you know, potentially a, a Richard Sherman type piece, or an intricate part of your defense, which would hurt. But you still have on defense, you still have a guy, you know, guys like Fred Warner. I mean, you have a lot of pieces that you can ship. You're still going to have a great defense once everybody gets healthy. You have a fantastic running back committee between Mostert. Um, I'm drawing blanks here. I had like all three of them on my fantasy team at one point. But you have you have a fantastic committee of running backs. You got George Kittle. You have um, most of my thinking at receiver here. Wow, still oh Debo. You've got um, gosh, didn't take my alpha brand today. But you have a plethora of options on offense. You have you have guys you can move the ball around to, and a lot of the draft boards. Obviously, this would change if you made this pick. But a lot of guys are projecting that they try to go get Kyle Pitts out of Florida who's one of those long, athletic, just offensive weapons that you can throw the ball to. So, And you have Kyle Shanahan, who's arguably the best offensive mind in football right now. So 
if the Niners were to make that move where you move a significant piece and a couple of picks to go get Deshaun Watson, I think, again, totally worth it. Because that is the missing piece to make you a consistent Super Bowl competitor for the next, let's call it, five years, is a guy like Deshaun Watson. Jimmy G ain't it. You can win 10 or 11 games when your teams are healthy. You can be a respectable, and more than that, you can be a good team. But I don't think that you're going to consistently be a team, a force to be reckoned with in the NFC. And anyway, let's move on to our Super Bowl. Obviously, Super Bowl 50-something in Tampa Bay. I don't really read my Roman numerals that well, so I can't really tell you which one it is. I'm not really brushed up on that either. X, V, I, J, K, L, M, N, P. Who really knows? All of it. Why didn't the Romans just use non-Roman numerals? Why didn't they just use... Because they're better than us. Why don't they just use American numbers? Huh? Why don't they just use one, two, three, four? Ask Octavius. <laughs> Jedediah and Octavius. Gigantor. All right. Anywho, um, according to our good friends over at the Barstool Sportsbook, uh, they currently have the Chiefs at uh, three and a half point favorites. And that's what I'm taking. If I'm betting the spread in this game, I think the Chiefs are going to cover. It's funny how in football that three point to three and a half point jump really does hurt. You know, winning by winning by a field goal covers to winning by a field goal does not cover anymore. Obviously, that's unique to football, and in basketball, that wouldn't be the case at all. You wouldn't really blink at that. But um, it, it does change the game, uh, but I just – I don't – the Chiefs, obviously, in the Week 12 game when they played, they got off to that really quick start. Tyreek Hill had like 200 yards and two touchdowns or whatever in the first quarter. They were gashing him. But with that said, they got out to that kind of quick lead, and it seemed like they almost let off the gas a little bit. They – I went on to win the game by three, um, and the Bucks did rally a little bit in that game, and they made some plays. Chris Godwin had that crazy, uh, like, weird sideline tiptoe dive over the pylon kind of play. Also, he won me the game on the, my fantasy game on that play, so thank you, Chris Godwin. But, but given how dynamic the offense is, I just don't see – Tampa Bay, even their defense, which has been very impressive in this uh, in this postseason, and which is designed to essentially be able to beat an effective passing team, I don't see them being able to slow down the Chiefs enough over the course of the Super Bowl. Because I watched the Chiefs be slowed down by the Niners last season for the first half of the game. And then they came out of the locker room and they went on to score like whatever it was, like 20 unanswered points or something like that, like pretty quickly. They rattled it right off. And that Niners defense is, in my opinion, pretty significantly better than this Chiefs, de- or excuse me, this Bucks defense. Now, the Bucks on defense have something great going for them. Their front four is arguably the best front four in football, which is going to allow them to not really need to blitz, in theory. In theory, Ndamukong Sue and Jason Pierre-Paul and those boys are going to be able to get a significant push with just the four of them, and it's going to allow the Bucks to drop seven into coverage, which is the way that you stop and the way that you combat really effective passing teams. Because if you're going to be forced to send linebackers after Mahomes, not only is he going to be able to sidestep and make dudes miss, but he's going to quickly be able to check, make the read, and then just cut you apart. So they aren't probably if this holds up, they aren't going to really need to do that, which is going to help them significantly. But Patrick Mahomes is that dude. 
I mean, he is that dude. He's like I've said before, he's the Steph Curry of football. The war, or excuse me, the Chiefs are the Warriors of football. So the way that I really see this game playing out is given that both teams have had an extra week to prepare for each other, they've already played each other before, I do think that it's going to be more of a defensive game. The, the game's going to start off kind of slow. I think it's probably going to be like a 10-10, 13-10-esque first half. And then I think the, the Chiefs are going to come out of halftime, and I think that they're going to score like two or three possessions unanswered, like two or three touchdowns, like boom, boom, boom. And that's going to essentially be the game. In large part as well, and I've, I've said this multiple times on the show, everyone overlooks the Chiefs' defense. The Chiefs' defense took apart the Bills. I mean, the Bills really weren't able to do very much at all, and they were the hottest team in football for about two and a half months. They didn't really have an answer. And I think that most people would argue that the Bills' offense is much more lucrative than the Bucks' offense. I think that's a pretty easy argument to make, especially given that I think right now it's doubtful that Antonio Brown is going to play. And, you know, Chris Jones and the Honey Badger have played fantastic in the playoffs. They played great in the Super Bowl last year. They played great against the Bills. They played great against the Browns. I mean, the Chiefs wouldn't have won the Super Bowl last year against the Niners had their defense not played the way that it did. They wouldn't have beat the Browns had it not played the way that it did. And they would have struggled substantially against the Bills had they not played the way that they did. So I think that the big, the big, big X factor in this game is how the Chiefs defense plays. Now I expect that they're going to play very well, and that's the reason not that's the reason why I am picking the Chiefs to cover in this game. Though Mahomes is a stud and he is that dude, and I do think they're going to score, it's going to come down to the efficacy of the Chiefs defense. So in that spot, I'm picking the Chiefs to cover at minus three and a half, and I'm also going to be betting the under, which the line is currently set at 56. Now, again, the final score of their Week 12 matchup was 27-24, which is going to put you at a clean fear. Excuse me. It's going to put you at 51 points. Um, I think that the Chiefs are going to win this game like 30-23. to Like I said, I think it's going to be a, a tie game at the half, low-scoring tie game, maybe a difference of like a field goal. The Chiefs are going to kind of pull away. The Bucs might make a little bit of a comeback down the stretch to make it a little more respectable, make the game look a little bit closer. But I'm thinking it's going to be 30-23. to 23. I always err on the side of lower-scoring games in Super Bowls given the extra time to prep for defenses. And, uh, yeah, those are my two. If I had to have my, the two bets I'm most confident about in the week, it would be that. And then to move on to just some juicy fun bets that I think are going to hit that uh, are just the fun, unique Super Bowl bets. Uh, for the game to go overtime right now, DraftKings has it at 11.5-1, to 1, so plus 11.50. Now, for that, for those odds to be right, essentially what that's saying is that if these t if these teams play, you know, I guess you round up the eleven and a half. So let's call it twelve. If these teams play twelve times, one in twelve times are going to go overtime. Now, the, you know, they're extremely close, very good competitive teams, and I think that one in twelve is a bit of an overestimation. Now, I think so. Does that mean that there's a great chance that this game goes OT? Not really. But when you're just betting, you know, good bets in the long run where they're giving you more action than they probably should and they're giving you better odds than they probably should, sometimes it's good to just put a little money on it and see what happens because this game could very well go overtime. I expect it to be a very close game. I think everybody expects it to be a very close game. So at 11.5 to 1 on your money, 
I think that that's a fun bet to make. And then I also think that currently they have, uh, it's I guess it's 4.25 to 1, so plus 425 uh, for the highest scoring quarter to be the third quarter. Now, <laughs> this might be a little bit of my, my Warriors analogy bias, but like I said, I expect the Chiefs to come out of halftime and kind of pick apart the Bucks defense for a little bit. I expect that third quarter Warriors rush to be a real thing for the Chiefs. Um so I think that total scoring in the third quarter is going to be probably north of 20 between the two teams, and I think that that should be the highest of any of the quarters. So at a little over 4-1, to one, I like that bet as well. That's going to be some fun stuff. And uh, for the record, not that I would bet on a coin flip, but I think that it's going to be tails. I think the Bucks. I think the I think it's going to be tails. Well, how should I say this? Because I guess I don't really know how that works. It seems like usually for the, the Super Bowl coins, they have like uh, – one team is a designated tails. One team is a designated heads, but tails never fails. So whoever tails is going to be, that's who's winning the the, the coin toss. So is that really how that goes? Put your money on tails. For what? Like whoever gets tails, like wins the Super Bowl. No, it's not who wins the Super Bowl. It's who wins the kickoff. It's like oh. when you when you yeah. So like we have the the coin toss. Whoever wins the coin toss, you can choose to either get the ball first or you can choose to play defense first. Okay. That's why they do the coin toss. I'm learning so much about football. So much about sports. But, yeah, tails never fails, fam. Tails never fails. Never. And then, uh, right quick, we'll get into some of our fighting stuff. So, this upcoming weekend is uh, UFC Fight Night at the Apex, uh, headlined by Alistair Overeem and Volkov. Um, again, I'm just the, the casual hype boy, fanboy of MMA, and I'm not going to get too deep into the weeds for the young up-and-coming prospects that I don't know a ton about. So we're just going to break down the main event and the co-main. So starting with the co-main is uh, Corey the Sandman, Sandhagen, and Frankie Edgar. Um, Corey Sandhagen's a big favorite in the spot. It's uh, minus 455, and Frankie Edgar is a dog at plus 333. Um, it's a little bit <laughs> – I mean, I get it. Corey Sandhagen's a stud, and he's been on a bit of a tear. Outside of his loss to Aljo, I mean, he's been he's – been, putting people in some tough spots so he definitely should be the favorite in this spot i don't know if he should be that much of a favorite i um, mean minus 455 i mean that's that's a bit insulting if you're a frankie edgar but at the same time i i don't really see frankie edgar being able to contend with the arsenal the sandhagen's had on display he's just so long he's so long he's extremely athletic very quick uh, I mean, he knocked out Marlon Marias with a spinning head kick. I mean, just clipped him right on the top of the noggin. And Marlon Marias has been one of the tougher dudes in the division that you just don't want to fight for a long time, and he knocked him out. So, I mean, Jose Aldo didn't knock out Marlon Marias. So good for him. Um, but I don't see Frankie Edgar being able to close this out. Frankie's getting older. I think this is one of Frankie's last shots to really get back into title contentionville. And I think that this fight is going to be Corey Sandhagen retiring him from title shot contention. So if you want to uh, get real nasty and put your money on Corey Sandhagen at minus 455, go for it. Um, it, it is still a juicy bet for Frankie Edgar at plus 333. I mean, a guy who's going to be a future Hall of Famer. I mean, him being that much of a, of a dog is pretty juicy as well. But uh, it's a three-round fight, so I, I don't think that Sandhagen's going to finish uh, Frankie Edgar. So if you wanted to do Sandy Hagen by decision, that would be uh, a much more lucrative bet, make you a little more uh, bang for your buck. So 
that could be a fun spot to be in. But I again, I just don't see Frankie Edgar being able to uh, overcome the tide that is Corey Sandhagen. And hopefully, Sandhagen's gonna get the winner of uh, Peter Jan, excuse me, excuse me, Piotr Jan and uh, Aljo. Once that fight hopefully eventually happens, because I think that he clearly is the the number three in that division. I think that that needs to happen. But uh, then on to the main event. It's going to be Alistair Overeem and Alexander Volkov. Um, Overeem's the dog in this, plus 160. Uh, Volkov is the favorite at minus 190. Um, you know, it's, we all keep waiting for Alistair Overeem to fall off a cliff. We all keep waiting for him to, you know, just be too old to keep doing this anymore. But he's won four out of his last five. And before that, the guys he lost to were Rosenstruck, Francis Ngannou, Curtis Blades, and Stipe. I mean, all right. Like, so you lost to the four best heavyweights in the world. Okay, whatever. You beat everybody else. Now Volkov is definitely, obviously, a force to be reckoned with, and he's got great stand-up. But I, I think that you could definitely argue that Alistair Overeem is the most accomplished, best all-around heavyweight striker ever in MMA ever. And he hasn't really shown me a whole lot of signs as of late of him slowing down, of him not, you know, having the gas tank or the chin or the durability just in general to be able to stand and bang with somebody. So I, it's hard for me to bet against the Ream, dude. Roids or no Roids, I just, I think that Alistair Overeem's going to kind of get this done. And uh, I think that, uh, I mean, you look at his performances against Walt Harris. I just, recently Alistair Overeem's looked great. And Volkov's been fighting well as well, but I just maybe I'm too partial. Maybe I'm partial to the the old days, the the uh, pride days, the K1 kickboxing days. But I just I, I love me some uh, some spicy Alistair Overeem. So I my money's on him as the dog. I think it's he's a, a good dog to bet on in this spot. Uh, I don't well given that it's a five round fight, I they're both just very highly skilled technical strikers. And it seems like whenever you have guys that are in that spot, unless somebody is just head and shoulders above someone who considers themselves a technical striker, quote-unquote, usually those just kind of end up being sparring matches that somebody wins by decision. So I think that Overeem is going to win this one by decision and uh, just going to keep being Alistair Overeem, being the heavyweight gatekeeper and uh, being the guy that nobody really wants to fight. So uh, with that said, you got any other uh, fun topics you want to discuss, Miss Grace? I'm sorry, I just zoned out for like literally 30 minutes. It's okay. We're at 106. 106, that's fine. You got anything? You got any fun spicy topics? topics. Spicy topics. Mm. Spicy topics? You want to talk about Ben Askren and Jake Paul? Want to talk about that? Who, I know who Jake Paul is. I don't know who that other person is. Okay, well, this will be good for you. So, Ben Askren is a former, uh, well, he's a former Olympic wrestler. He wrestled at, uh, I believe it's Nebraska. Um, All-American, and he also fought in MMA. So he fought in one championship and in Bellator, and then he came to the UFC, had a couple UFC fights, and then he retired. Um, super high-level wrestler. Super, super good grappler. Also a really funny dude. Like He's like like goofy, fun, funny, trash talk kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, people either like Ben Askren or they hate him. I like Ben Askren. But, so he's fighting Jake Paul in a boxing match. Why? And uh, that's a good question. I think it's in a couple months. Okay. But they're fighting in a boxing match, and for Jake Paul, it's, like, perfect. It's perfect marketing on his part. It's perfect, uh, like, step, because the former two guys he's beaten, he beats uh, – well, he beat, he beat Nate Robinson, and then he beats – is he another YouTuber? Sure. K- he beat KSI? Yeah. Beat? 
I think that's. I'm trying to right. he beat two people that aren't boxers essentially. Okay. So he's you know gathering up that clout, but this is a step up to a guy who's a quote real fighter because mm. he is he is a real fighter. He's an MMA champion and in, in you know Bellator and in one championship. So with that said, Ben Askren cannot punch to save his life. Like he's mm. like. A baby how is he a fighter? Well, he's a wrestler. Like, he, he wrestles oh. people into submission, basically, okay. is the way that he does things. Like, he wrestles you to the ground, punching the face around the ground. Not, like, stand up, I'm going to box you. Like, you know, a, a different thing. It's, a, it's an okay. entirely different sport. It'd be like if you took somebody who was a world-class baseball player and you golfed against them. It'd be like that kind of thing. Okay. You're swinging and hitting the ball on both things, but it's not the same thing. So, with this, I mean, I fully expect Jake Paul to win this fight. Really? I really do. Yeah, because Ben Askren is literally, and I again, I'm a Ben Askren fan, but the dude is like a baby gazelle, like not super coordinated, very gelatinous, dad bod, curly-headed white dude, really lacks explosive movement. I think and I he did also doesn't hear have a, about this a little Yeah, bit. and he doesn't have a, a really much of a boxing pedigree at all. I mean, you go back to his fight with Damian Maya, which I know this is going to be over to your head. But Damian Maya is like a high, high, high-level Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. So Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I know that you don't really know this, is a submission sport, essentially. It, okay. I mean, it's a style of fighting, a submission. I shouldn't say sport. But so there's always kind of this rivalry between high-level wrestlers and high-level jiu-jitsu guys. But anyway, in the MMA, you start the fight standing up. You don't start on the ground like already wrestling. So mm-hmm. you start standing up, and they have this kind of like BS – like, we're going to kind of pretend to punch each other for a little while, exchange the two of them. And it's both just, like, horrendous. Like, like okay. they're both just terrible, terrible, terrible strikers in MMA. And neither one of them trained boxing. So even though the Jake has only, I think, been training boxing for a couple of years at this point, he is probably, I shouldn't even say probably, in my opinion, is a better boxer and much more explosive and powerful than Ben Askren is. So I fully expect him to be Ben Askren. And then he can start to, again, kind of keep climbing that, like, clout ladder and be like, oh, look it, I did beat a professional fighter. And because that's the big knock on him right now is everybody that doesn't yeah. like the Paul Brothers boxing. Like, well, you don't really fight real fighters. Ben Askren is a real fighter, but he's also not at all a striker. He's not at all a boxer. He doesn't do that at all. For sure. So I think that he's going to make a lot of money. I think he's going to win the fight, make a lot of money, develop his clout. People are going to, you know, his fans are going to love him. The people that hate him are going to hate him even more. And it's just going to make his brand that much bigger. So. Yeah, I mean, if there's one thing those boys know how to do, it's market marketing but um do you think when he gets up to like real real fighters then he's dead i mean it depends i mean there's so many levels to real real fighters so by like that if you mean boxers i mean he does train with with guys that like are actual boxers and i think that he does probably pretty well there but like if he were to jump up and fight like a billy joe saunders type dude or a canelo or uh terrence crawford or like like championship level boxers he would get you into a lot okay like he you know absolutely i mean it's well just then, a different thing what was his whole thing is mcgregor one of those guys so conor mcgregor is um they were looking to do that but conor mcgregor lost his last fight to dustin poirier so jake paul at least is is making the claim that he's no longer the big money fight anymore which maybe maybe not i, I still think yeah. that conor mcgregor is a huge money fight for anybody but um conor is a is a very high level mixed martial arts striker Okay. But again, mixed martial arts striking and boxing striking are different things. It's just it's just a different game. So Connor has fought Floyd Mayweather in an exhibition boxing match, and Floyd Mayweather is regarded by 
quite a few people as arguably the greatest boxer of all time. Like he's extremely skilled, technical, the best defensive fighter probably to ever box. And he went 10 rounds with Floyd and then Floyd like knocked him out like a, a TKO. It didn't actually like flatline him, but stopped him. Okay. So Connor can box. Like Connor can actually box box, but yeah. Jake Paul is also a lot bigger than Connor. Connor's like five, nine. Really? Connor's like five, nine, a buck 60, maybe somewhere in there. And I think Jake Paul's roughly my size. Like he's probably, I don't know, six foot, 200 pounds, something like that. I thought he was tiny. I mean, I don't know. Like, I guess in the grand scheme of things, being like six foot, 200 pounds is not like a big person. No. But in comparison to, you know, somebody that's 5'9", 160, yeah, it is. Who was the guy that Logan fought and lost to? That was KSI, wasn't it, that YouTube did? Oh, did he lose? So he, I think he had a draw in one of his fights, and then I think he lost the other one. Okay. That's what it was. Because he doesn't fight anymore, does he? Well, he was trying to fight Floyd Mayweather. Are we talking about the same person? This is right brother? Both of them are fighting, trying to fight. So yeah. Jake Paul is fighting Ben Askren, and Logan Paul is trying to fight Floyd Mayweather. Okay. So the Floyd Mayweather thing, I think, as of right now, has been postponed due to, like, I think the quote was lack of interest due to their, like, pre-pay-per-view, pre-fight sales or whatever it is. Um, I'm not super interested in watching that fight because I know how it's going to go. But, I mean, I would probably watch it. I mean, Floyd Mayweather would pick Logan Paul apart. Okay. It's just, I mean, even though that Floyd is a lot smaller than than Logan Paul is, Logan Paul is probably a little bigger than me. I think he's mm-hmm. probably, I mean, like like Logan, both both of those guys are, like, pretty athletic, strong, like, fit dudes. Like, they're not punks as far as, like, athleticism and stature yeah. go. But a dude like Floyd Mayweather boxes against people that are Logan Paul's size and does very well, that are yeah. much more skilled and explosive than Logan Paul is. So if you actually got him in a real fight, I think that it would be a massacre. And I think that Floyd Mayweather would clean up Logan Paul. And I think a lot of people feel that way, too. But at the same time, good for both those dudes. I hope they both get paid. I hope everybody gets paid and makes a lot of money. Does well. So. It's good to show you. Even if you're from Ohio, you can still have some success. If you're from America's toilet, you can still do it. Good still for crank them. out that money, and your best friend can be dating Lana Rhodes. So there you go. It's beautiful. It's a it's a it's a beautiful thing. It really is. Yeah. Life is all about finding the joys. <laughs> it's the little things in life. Absolutely. So what? You got anything else for me, Miss Producer Lady, or are we going to wrap this thing up? Well, Jackson was a producer, but then he got fired because he swore too much, so now it's me. <laughs> okay, I also didn't fire him. He was fired by a mom. He but, was you know, fired so. by her mother. Yeah. So now uh, He also me. self-fired himself a little bit, but I'm sure he'll be back eventually. So. I was upstairs eating, and then he just goes, You're the Cole needs you downstairs. I, I don't, I'm not doing that anymore. Gay. It's okay. I don't have any super exciting topics, I don't believe. The news is a little dry. We got some dry news right now? A little bit. We need, like, something tragic to happen. We need, like, another 9-11. Basically need a tragedy. A tragedy. An American tragedy. Yes. Okay. Well, we can sign off, then. That's all we need. I'll probably be back again. <sighs> yep. The new producer lady, Grace. And like social media manager. Me. Oh, yeah. we need to plug the Instagram. Yeah, we need so, to plug our Instagram. Uh, uh, hold on. I can't really remember it. Isn't <laughs> it side of underscore slaw? Or side yes, of, yeah. side of underscore slaw. All lowercase. Give us, yeah. a, give us a follow on IG and we're going to start getting some uh, some pics up so you can see our ugly mugs and our little studio setup some we have. Picks and again, slips. coming sometime in 2021, we're going to have a video version of the pod that we're going to get up on Spotify and YouTube. Yes. We're going to have lighting and, and other stuff, too, and make us look pretty. And yeah. I'm going to get a nose job. Probably not. 
but that's okay. You had the opportunity, and then you said you didn't want it. All right, I got freaked out a little bit, all right? As I, I started having thoughts that I was going to go under and not wake up due to anesthesia, all right? You want to know the secret? That's I would have been was. great. I don't wake up great. <laughs> I get I wake up, and I get a good nose. Great. Great. It's a win-win. Honestly. I see this as an absolute win. Yes. Yeah. So, but anywho, I guess that's it for us. So, uh, SOS number eight, signing off. Have a great Super Bowl. Enjoy. Enjoy watching these scantily clad women dance with your parents. And uh, deuces, everybody. Take care.